The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's for a touchdown. You are now tuned in to the Roto experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Back in the baseball groove. And I guess you're back in the football groove if you like eight teams in two-thirds empty stadiums. We'll talk about that as well today. Welcome to the Roto Experts in the Morning Sunday Edition, live here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, every Sunday morning to kick off your fantasy week. I am Scott Engel, the Managing Director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy, as here always joined by my good friend of RotoExperts.com, Joe Galina. Joe, how are you? It's getting to be that time uh, tomorrow. The Pirates will report pitchers and catchers to spring training in Bradenton, Florida, and the Seattle Mariners will uh, report pitchers and catchers to Peoria, Arizona, with several teams uh, due to report in the days following. How's it going, Scott? Great to be with you again. Uh, Yeah, excited for the start of uh, baseball season. You know, it's uh, freezing cold up here in the Northeast. So uh, thinking about the summer, uh, it warms our hearts, right? Getting ready, uh, preparing ourselves for our upcoming fantasy baseball drafts. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, lots uh, lots going on in the world of fantasy right now. Uh, we'll talk about it later in the program. The Alliance of American Football. For those of you who completely have no lives other than, than football, uh, started last night with eight teams. And actually, uh, in the last minute, Fanball.com actually put out a daily fantasy AAF game. For those of you who are interested in that, uh, I don't know why. Uh, I, I guess uh, I guess you really, uh, be, you know, football is almost like a drug to you when you need another hit, and we haven't hit free agency yet. And uh, NASCAR will unofficially start today. We have the Clash Daytona, which is an exhibition race with uh, with twenty drivers. That we are a week away from the Daytona Five Hundred. If you want a complete breakdown of uh, of who to start and who to who to park. 
today in uh, the Clash of Daytona in the games of both FanDuel and DraftKings. You can listen on demand, the Father and Son Fantasy NASCAR Hour, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network to help you set all your lineups. But we'll talk some baseball today. We'll talk some offseason football. We'll have uh, Davis Maddock of RotoExperts.com at 9.20 a.m. Eastern Time and Todd Zola of Masters Ball. Dot com at 10.20 a.m. Eastern Time on RotoExperts.com. We're talking fantasy football 365 days a year, but uh, the Roto Experts analysis continues right here on our shows and on my daily podcast throughout the week, which you can listen to on demand. We are still playing fantasy baseball. I have a mock, mock, mock this, mock this, this Wednesday. Uh, my friends over at Roto Ballers, uh, Joe. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's the uh, scope of the uh, – is it a 12-teamer, or do you know where you're picking from? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. It's uh, yeah. three days away. They haven't listed the draft order yet. Yeah. Uh, really important to get in the swing of, uh, you know, the drafts. You know, we're watching the NFBC ADPs right now. Uh, we had some news. Uh, I was curious to see, uh, you know, uh, we're gonna, I'm sure we'll be talking about Francisco Lindor to see how his ADP has been affected since the news about his calf strain. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of my uh, preseason prep is doing as many mock drafts as I can. Yeah, and uh, when we talk about any fantasy sport, we really like to draft as close to the season as possible. And if you have any questions about your upcoming drafts in baseball or you want to talk off-season football with us, 844-843-6879 at any time. It's 844-843-6879. But you mentioned uh, Francisco Lindor, a big blow for the Cleveland Indians. And this is why you like drafting closer to the season. Uh, Looks like he's going to be out seven to nine uh, weeks with a calf strain which will probably put him back sometime in May. Right now, uh, as of Friday, and it really hasn't budged as of Sunday, no updates yet, uh, Francisco Lindor's ADP in the NFBC was, was four. And uh, that's due to drop with with uh, with news like this. Inside injuries say this is one of the worst uh, worst sort of injuries a, a player can in Major League Baseball can suffer. And that even when he returns, inside injuries is say he'll get off to a slow start even when he returns. So this is why you want to draft close to the season, like I just said. And uh, I, I could how many rounds could you see his ADP falling going from top five here? Uh, tough to say, but, uh, you know, when you talk about that, he might not be ready till May. I mean, I could see him dropping a couple of rounds. Uh, you know, I, when I think about a calf strain injury, it I worries me uh, because you remember Josh Donaldson dealing with his calf strain uh, f- for a while. And it really, really put his season back. I mean, he missed a, a, you know, a few months uh, last year. It's just not an easy injury to come back from. So uh, he's definitely going to fall. I mean, uh, the uh, he's definitely going to fall from uh, number four overall. Yeah, we know that. But what I'm asking you is how far do you think he's going to fall? Yeah, I think he could fall a couple rounds. What, to like the third round? I, I could see that happening. If you if if you were drafting today, when mm-hmm. would you, what round would you start to think about Francisco Lindor? Uh, I, I think I would wait till, like I said, about the... Uh, Third or fourth round. I'm I'm a really conservative drafter, Scott. Uh, if I 
and going to invest uh, a high draft pick on, on someone. Uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm going to try to get as much uh, as possible from that player. I don't want to have any uh, you know th- worries that this guy you know maybe he does start the season you know a few weeks uh, like let's say he starts the first week of May and there's always that opportunity that he could reactivate that injury. So that that concerns me. He'd be a guy. Tell you the truth. For me personally, and my uh, it, the way that I uh, draft uh, and the conservativeness uh, that the, the way I draft, I would personally I would avoid him at, at this at this stage. But that's just probably probably me too. But but you know, then there's the other side of it. You know, I've done this before. Where mm-hmm. sometimes I want to stash a guy, and you have to remember that baseball's a very long season, 162 games, absolutely half half a calendar year, and then mm-hmm. when, once you can't, once you come bring him back, it's kind of like you got him at a discount. <laughs> it's kind of like you got him at a discount. Yes, yes, uh, and uh, you know I bring up uh, Josh Donaldson when he did play. Uh, you know he, he put up the kind of numbers that uh, we expected from him. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you could uh, get him at a severe discount and hold on to him, like you said, I mean, the, the fantasy baseball season's a marathon, right? The fantasy football season's more of a sprint. So uh, if you could stash someone with uh, Lindor's, uh, you know, upside, <laughs> we know what he could do. Uh, more power to you. Yeah, it's a, it's a big blow for the Indians, too, as, as well. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, a significant offseason for them. Uh, you know, the fans are a little bit under arrest there in Cleveland, and now they're probably going to have to use, move Jose Ramirez over to shortstop. You know, what do they do at third base, Joe? Well, I'm looking at their uh, their depth charts. Uh, right now they have uh, Mora and Chang. Personally, I think that uh, you, know, you got uh, Josh Harrison still out there as a free agent, Marwin Gonzalez uh, out there as a free agent. Maybe they should kick the tires and uh, uh, look at uh, possibly adding one of those two guys. Yeah, what if they don't go in free agency, though? You think they're just going to have a hole there that they, they, they have to fill with a much lesser player? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, look, you know, you also have, uh, you know, Kipnis in there, too. Right now he's uh, slated to be their second baseman. They could move him over. I mean, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, if I was them, uh, I would look to the outside. It doesn't look like they have much, you know, right now on their roster. Yeah, but you're talking about using that guy for a month, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, do they really want to commit to a guy for a month? Maybe, maybe a guy who's a Swiss Army knife, like mm-hmm. uh, like Harrison, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, he could uh, play different spots in the infield. So, yeah. Um, and look, you know, like we said, we know that the baseball season is uh, very long. A guy like uh, Harrison, who could play second, third, and even some outfield, uh, could uh, could be a useful uh, acquisition for them. Probably get him cheap. So if you if you're in an auction draft, is like this is one of the first names that you throw out there to get people to spend more money. <laughs> I like that. Yes, yeah, that's that is a, uh, that is a good uh, strategy to use. Yeah, well, uh, Terry Francona has already said that he's strongly considering moving Jose Ramirez to shortstop. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, look. Uh, that's the beauty of uh, having these players that could fill uh, different spots. Ramirez, another one, uh, one of the uh, top, uh, you know, he's like, what is he, uh, top three in terms of uh, uh, NFBC ADP. 
uh, power, speed. Uh, Indians got him for a bargain, and uh, he's able to fill in a couple holes for him as well. Well, the play, Cleveland play dealer says uh, says that the Indians would probably like to leave Linda, uh, Ramirez at third base. ESPN is saying that Ramirez is an option, but uh, Max Maroff, Mike Freeman, and Ryan Flaherty could all play it there. And those are really only AL only options, or the Indians could sign a free agent. None of the guys that you mentioned, the Cleveland Plain deal is saying Alcides Escobar, Jose Iglesias, Jose, Are- Jose Reyes, or Didi Echeverria. At least if they signed a guy like Echeverria, they know they would get good defense there. And uh, you know, Echeverria is the kind of guy, well, you know, we've seen him before with Miami. He doesn't give the team much in a bat in terms of a bat, but, you know, I observed that, uh, you know, covering Major League Baseball in the past, solid clubhouse guy, plays good defense. That might be a nice pickup for them, but there'll be no fantasy impact there. Yeah, and, uh, but, you know, in, in real life, like you say, if a, if a guy could play some some good defense, a good clubhouse uh, presence, a solid guy that could fill a couple of holes for you, that's just as important. Uh, just looking at the uh, the Indians... You know, roster right now, and uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about Lindor uh, missing, uh, you know, several weeks. Jose Ramirez. I mean, uh, this team offensively has some question marks. I mean, you look at their outfield with Nick Aquin, uh, Leonis Martin, and then Luplau, and uh, I mean, they signed uh, Carlos Santana back. I mean, this is a team that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they pan out this year. I mean, they still got the pitching. They were looking to move uh, Kluber, but uh, nothing happened with that. Uh, they have decent starting pitch with Kluber, Carrasco, and Bauer, and Clevenger, and uh, and Bieber, too. So, I mean, that's a nice uh, starting pitching staff there. But in terms of offense, uh, this could be a big blow, uh, the loss of Lindor, uh, even though it could be, you know, for a month, month and a half after the season. Leone's Martin was actually a a, a potential surprise. He was actually something of a surprise last year. Uh, actually, somebody that got in towers in, in the reserve rounds and actually gave me pretty good numbers. Uh, not the type of numbers I necessarily expected, but Martin showed, uh, especially with his tenure, last tenure with Detroit, that uh, if he gets some playing time, that he can put up some decent numbers. Last year, he had 255 with 11 homers and 7 steals and just 318 at-bats uh, with an OBP of 323. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a nice player. I mean, you know, you could fill in in in, in a deeper fantasy league. Uh, not somebody that uh, you know I, that I would look to draft. You know, uh, but uh, somebody probably that you could pick up off the waiver wire uh, if in the middle of the season you need some help. Like you said, he's got a little pop, could steal a base or two for you. So he has some value, but more as a fill in. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't think he's probably going to go undrafted, though. When you're talking about, you have 30 guys that you can put on a roster. A guy that, uh, you know, if he gets 500 at bats, you know, maybe he gives you like 15, 15 at the very least. And I'm being conservative. You know, why would a guy like that go undrafted? He's done that before. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking uh, back when he played in uh, 16. Uh, had 15, was more of a 15, speed guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 home runs, 24 runs batted in. Uh, you know, I could. I guess to your point, maybe. Uh, you know, look. After a while, sometimes it gets hard to fill those uh, five. Uh, if you're starting five outfielders, so yeah, the maybe very. Numbers. Yeah, yeah. So maybe very deep into drafts, but uh, yeah, 
not a, but still, in my opinion, not a guy that you're going to want to make one of your starting five. Well, I guess I guess they, the NFPC agrees with you because the ADP is three fifty six. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, well, I would take him in a thirty round draft. Okay, coming up next, we'll talk about the Phillies and G- JT Real Muto and the impact fantasy-wise and NL East-wise. Coming up next on the Roto Experts of the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Makes me think of uh, spring training. This is, I, you know, I think of this kind of song. This is the kind of leisurely song where you know you're, you're watching batting practice or workouts, something like that. Gives me a baseball type feeling, uh, Joe. Yeah, it's kind of a happy sounding tune, right? Yeah, you could picture yourself, you know, just having a good time. Yeah, you know, the '80s were a fun time. Some good music coming out of the '80s. Yeah, I remember being at Chase Stadium and hearing Huey Lewis's heart and soul during batting practice. Yeah, big uh, that was, that was a fan? Good, that that yeah, was yeah. a good batting practice song. Huey mm-hmm. Lewis's heart and soul, Sean. Yeah. Our producer, Sean Engel, probably going to have cues to cue that up for him. What a marvelous producer he is. Uh, he really is. No, I wasn't a huge Huey Lewis fan. I'm not like Chris Bavona, uh, our in-house <laughs> producer. Chris Bavona's like a fanatical Huey Lewis fan. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Uh, you know, he's had some good music. He uh, needed a new drug and all that stuff. Uh, I think he's had some recent problems with his voice. But, uh, yeah, a voice from the 80s. A lot of those older singers are having uh, problems with their voices. Yeah, you know, it happens, if, right? If you grew up in the 70s and the 80s, you know, and you're one of those older guys, it's, you know, you see, you see it a lot of uh, a lot of the older singers starting to have voice issues. Hmm. Yeah, but then again, not even not, e- not even if you're an older guy, I notice like you know, people in their twenties and et cetera. If they listen to rock and roll, they 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 get into the classic rock bands, you know, more than a lot more than today's stuff. Well, cl- yeah, nothing better than classic rock, and uh, you know we've talked about how uh, the Who's coming back on tour, the Rolling Stones are back on tour. Uh, you know, classic rock. Uh, just the Rolling as- Stones are always going to be on tour. <laughs> they will. They're going to be propping them up for years to come. <laughs> people were saying, people making jokes like that twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember like uh, in the early eighties when the, the what was that? Uh, 
was it uh, Tattoo You was their album with the, the Start Me Up? And the, I thought that was going to be like one of their last albums. But look, look how long they've continued to put out some uh, some some good music, man. Uh, kudos to them. Continue to rock. The Grammy the Awards 60s. are uh, tonight. Uh, you going to be catching that at all? I'll probably tune in, uh, tune in a little bit, uh, you know, try to, you know, keep up with what's going on in music today. How about you? Yeah, you're going to tune in for a little Cardi B. Is that uh, that your kind of thing? Yeah, me and uh, what's his name? Uh, Kraft. See what Kraft did? Wasn't he dancing with a little Cardi B before the Super Bowl? Enjoying himself? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? There you go. <laughs> Alicia Keys is uh, is hosting tonight. Now, that, that's... Uh, yeah, that that'll that'll be interesting. I I don't know how much personality she has to actually like pull this off. I mean, she's an incredibly talented singer and songwriter. It's just like, you know, listening to any of her music, just any, anything she sings, uh, you know, yep, turns yep. to gold. But does she have the personality to pull this off as a host? I guess we'll find out. Uh, you know, I guess the, uh, the producers think she does. So, uh, like you said, but uh, I, I love her music. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get back to baseball here. Uh, maybe play some Alicia Keys during batting practice, too. Uh, <laughs> the big story is that uh, a lot of a lot of the name, big name free agents are still out there. The latest on Bryce Harper and Manny Machado is, is that uh, Bryce Harper is involved in talks with purportedly with the San Francisco Giants. But uh, I think fantasy players want to see where he's going to land already before they start doing his drafts. We're talking this is the week of spring training, and the two biggest-named free agents are still going unsigned. Looks like the market's going to have to drop. We've heard some rumors this week that uh, some other teams are starting to get back involved in the mix for guys like Harper and Machado. If you were going to San Francisco, that's not necessarily a hitter's park or a great lineup, but you, you figure that Bryce Harper could put up the numbers anywhere. Yeah, uh, I was looking at his numbers uh, in uh, the AT, uh, AT&T Park. In 67 at-bats, they're pretty bad. I mean, uh, 164 batting average, 305 OBP, 284 slugging, just a 588 OPS. Uh, look, I, I like Harper, um, but when you look at it, I mean, he's batted – uh, below 250 in two of his last three seasons. I want to look at his number. Wasn't he really slumping for a long time last year? Um, yes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it was a good turn, you know, because he was facing his uh, free agency uh, year. So, look, I mean, he's uh, definitely one of the top uh, outfielders in baseball. Uh, but, um, you know, you just have to, you know – Take a step back and really look at what you're getting with him. Really, really uh, plays the game hard, which sometimes is a detriment to him because he ends up getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you look at Harper. Is this a guy that you can win with if you're a Major League Baseball team? The Washington Nationals never won a playoff series with Bryce Harper in a uniform. Yeah, uh, is yeah, that's a good question. Is he a guy that could uh, – I mean – he has uh, the capability where you know he could carry a team for a few weeks. You know he's, you know he's, you know, hit forty-two home runs in his career before. Uh, he's stolen uh, you know ten plus bases, twenty plus bases. But uh, that's a good question. Is he a guy that uh, could he be the the centerpiece of a team? Uh, and you bring up a good point about uh, you know how the Nationals have fared with him in their lineup every day. 
or how they have uh, not fared well enough. You know, that's a, it kind of reminds me of the Braves of about five, ten years ago. They had a lot of superstar players. Uh, you know, they had Upton, Hudson, and even Chipper Jones towards the end of his career. McCann, you know, they had a, a star-studded lineup, and uh, they could never do anything in the playoffs. The, the Nationals might go down uh, being remembered like that as well. Uh, if if Harper leaves, the whole Bryce Harper era uh, it never brought anything to Washington in terms of victories. But uh, yet, I think it's still still a lot of the fans want him back. Manny Machado. There's been reports that the Yankees are now actively engaged uh, in talks with Manny Machado. There was a report that uh, the figure of 220 million was bounced around in some reports by Sportsnet New York, uh, and that the White Sox made a final offer of him of 170 million. But at some point, with both Machado and Harper here, these guys are going to want to get things settled and want to get into spring training. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, the White Sox are an interesting situation there because uh, they traded for uh, his brother-in-law, Yonder Alonso. He's this, their mutual friend, uh, John Jay, is on that team. Uh, what I had seen was the White Sox had offered him uh, seven years, $175 million, That's uh, but uh, $25 million a year, and, the, and they're not budging. You know, the the... the Story was that the Yankees, a uh, while back, had because uh, they met with him in December. Remember, they offered him, uh, according to Jim Duquette, he said it was either seven to eight years, a total of uh, two hundred twenty million. So, I mean, look, these guys were, were thinking that they were going to get, uh, you know, a, a easily signed a three hundred million dollar contract, and that's just not happening. And you know, uh, you know, for whatever reason, is it the some. Uh, talking about uh, collusion among the owners. Uh, I mean, to me, it's just, you know, owners being a little bit more prudent. You know, you look at these uh, 10-year contracts that were given to players in the past. Like, you know, uh, uh, look how much money the Angels are still paying uh, Pujols. And and Miguel Cabrera is not the player that he used to be. And he's still getting paid a mega bucks. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But you're right, with spring training starting now, uh, you know, Thank God these guys aren't pitchers because, you know, with pitchers, you want them to get their throws in, you know, with, 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 with under the watchful eye of their coaches. But you still want to see where these guys are going to end up. Yeah, they're going to probably sign all of Machado's friends, you know, maybe even his hair cutter. Uh, <laughs> right. You have to try to get him over there to the White Sox. <laughs> right. it seems like the Padres are involved in every rumor. But uh, they they end up not signing anybody. It almost seems like they're the twins. Like the the twins were supposed to be uh, a link to every uh, big name free agent uh, last mm-hmm. off season, and they didn't end up uh, signing anybody. It seems the Padres are the big tease of the off season now. Yeah, supposedly they've uh, spoken to both of these uh, or reached out to both of these uh, players. Machado Weren't they mentioned and, uh, as a possibility to trade for Kluber at one point? Yeah, I think so. I think that was a rumor as well. Uh, you know, I mean, it is a little different uh, from uh, you know, you know, a few years back where you know these these teams actually have some money to spend now with the revenue sharing and everything. Remember how uh, the Mariners swooped in and, and uh, uh, 
signed the Robinson Cano a few years back. I mean, some of these teams. Yeah, the Mets know, with Cespedes like waited it out. They did. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking that the Red Sox might do that with Craig Kimbrell because mm-hmm. it, it's very interesting. You know, Brad Boxberger got uh, signed by Kansas City. We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, the Red Sox have just passed on every about every closer candidate that's out there. And I believe if they were to start the season today, that Matt Barnes would be their closer. Uh, the the Kimbrell is still out there. He's still unsigned. Maybe they could bring him back for a bargain rate, but uh, there's still one name out there. Uh, I don't think too many people have talked about it other than myself. Bud Norris is still out there. If the Red Sox mm-hmm. want to save some money, you know, Bud Norris has proved over the last two years that he could close. And uh, you know, he may, he's been much better as a closer than as a, than as a starter. And uh, you know, maybe they go. Bud Norris is the last name to drop. If they don't sign Norris, I think it's either wait on Kimbrell or go with Matt Barnes here. Yeah, and uh, that's a very interesting name, uh, Bud Norris. And you're right. I, I you know, doing uh, some of the research for the show, I, I noticed that he was still out there, and uh, you know, it was a decent closer. I mean, look, he saved uh, 28 games for the Cardinals last year, uh, another 19 for the Angels previously, and yeah, I mean, you know, a guy that moved from the starting rotation and became an effective uh, closer. So yeah, he you know, he could be a uh, a bargain. Yeah, because he could certainly fit fit with somebody. A few teams still looking for bullpen help. Uh, mm-hmm. that, 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 that's a veteran who's shown that he can get it done and has made the transition to the bullpen uh, pretty well. Uh, actually lost the job down the stretch. Uh, I believe he was battling, battling some problem health problems, and then uh, then he started to melt for a little while, and then he got replaced by the Cardinals. But uh, you know, we've seen this before with some closers that you know they'll melt in one situation and they'll come back and they'll be fine in another. They're almost like kickers. Yeah, I mean the closer situation in baseball is just. Uh Really tough to figure out, you know. Other than you know, you obviously you have your Chapmans and your your, your Jansons, and uh, and kudos to your Mets uh, with the picking up Edwin Diaz. But you just uh, it's such a volatile position, and uh, it's you know not not only does it take uh, pitching skill from the individual, but uh, you know just uh, someone who's able to uh, adapt and and pitch in pressure pressure situations. So uh, you know. I I always believe in that. Uh, talking talking to a lot of major leaguers about it over the years, I I believe you know that there's certainly a mentality to being a closer. You know, few people disagree with it. You know, some of the analytical types, but you know, talking to a lot of players over the year, pitching in the ninth inning is different than pitching in any other, especially when you're on the road. Absolutely, and uh, you know, you, you sometimes you see when a uh, a pitcher who's a, a closer is brought in to pitch in non-closing situations, how sometimes they don't fare as well. You know, that some some pitchers thrive on being in that uh, position where the game is on the line and they have to, you know, real focus on uh, the task at hand, and and when they're not put in a pressure situation, uh, they kind of fall apart. Yeah, we mentioned Boxberger signing a one-year deal uh, with the uh, Kansas City Royals this week. One of the last big, uh, last uh, possible closer types. Uh, he did lose the job at one point last year. We saw him close in Tampa Bay. Wiley Peralta did uh, did the job effectively down the stretch, uh, but 
now maybe it remains to be seen. Will there be a closer battle in Kansas City in, in spring training? Uh, or Boxberger could be used as a nice setup bridge for Peralta if they feel that they want to keep him doing the job. Yeah, uh, either of these guys have shown that they could be uh, closers. I mean, uh, Boxberger uh, had done a pretty good job for the Diamondbacks heading into September. Uh, he had a 3.5 ERA uh, in, heading into September, but then he just imploded. Uh, had an uh, 11.37 ERA in nine appearances in during the month of September. But uh, 71 Ks in 53 innings last year. Uh you know what I heard, and it is a fluid situation. Is that Boxberger would probably be the guy to you know, to close, and Peralta would set up. But it could be definitely could go the other way around. And uh, the contract that uh, Boxberger signed, uh, a cheap contract, uh, one year, two point two million, uh, could make another million more through incentives. So, uh, big bargain for the Royals. Uh, you mentioned Edwin Diaz. He is the first closer off the board in the NFBC so far with an ADP of uh, of 48.1. Uh, he's the 15th pitcher off the board right after his new teammate, Noah Syndergaard. He is uh, the first closer off the board. Uh, and then you, you know, then uh, after that, it's another five spots until uh, you get another closer. Blake Trinan's the uh, the second closer off the board. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, I mean, I usually wait on closers uh, way deep into my uh, into my drafts. Uh, you know, I, I don't like investing, you know, high picks on uh, on guys, even though, I mean, if you're going to do it, I mean, who, who are you going to end up with? You just mentioned Diaz or all this Chapman, uh, Jensen. I mean, uh, you know, uh, but with what we spoke about just a couple of minutes ago in terms of, just the volatility uh, and then the fluidness of, of all these these bullpens and and look at what the Brewers did with their uh, their bullpen last year. You're almost like a closer by committee, you know. And you wonder yeah. you, if, if that's going to be the trend. The Reds know, are actually talking about doing that and not having Rossiel Iglesias uh, close games exclusively anymore. Right. Uh, you look at you know, and in a way. Uh, you know, a closer by committee kind of makes sense. You know, take advantage of uh, your pitcher's strengths, uh, depending on uh, the lineup that's uh, put in front of them uh, on a nightly basis. So, to me, uh, you know, that could be the future. Yeah, I, I probably do the same thing that you do. I don't spend on closers. I mean, look at Brad Hand. You know, he's a 31st pitcher off the board this this uh, early this season, according to the ADP. Last year, Brad Hand was nowhere to be found uh, in terms of ADPs. So what I usually do with closers, I kind of balance it out. I'll spend up on one guy. Uh, I'll get another middle-range guy, and then I'll get somebody towards the end and uh, maybe play around with closers on the waiver wire. Uh, I'm not going to spend a high money or early draft pick on a second closer. He's got to be middle of the board. So uh, if I'm talking like a like a 23-round starter type of draft that uh, maybe I'll take my first closer around the 10th round, the next uh, maybe around the 15th or 16th, and the the other one maybe in the last uh, in the last round or two, like twenty second or twenty third. So I kind of mm-hmm. balance it out uh, because you can always find closures on the waiver wire during the season. Absolutely, yes, you can. You know, especially yep. if you're playing with Fab rather than uh, than waivers in order. We'll talk JT Real Muto next. 
the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back here on the Roto Experts in the morning, getting ready for fantasy baseball. Going over some of the latest news. If you have some fantasy baseball questions, 844-843-6879. A lot of off-season football talk to come. Davis Maddock of RotoExperts.com will join us at 920 a.m. Eastern. But uh, one of those big cleats fell in fantasy baseball uh, this past this past week when JT Real Muto finally, it seemed, uh, after, I don't know, 10, 15 years of uh, being exiled in Miami, <laughs> he wanted to, to, to be traded, finally was moved out of Philadelphia, Miami to Philadelphia. Uh, the Marlins waited for a long time. The Real Muto was demanding a trade since last season. Can you blame him? I mean, this has been the third big Marlins tear down. Uh, after the 1997 World Series, they immediately got rid of everybody. After the 2003 World Series, it took them a little time, but they eventually got rid of everybody. And after they failed to make the playoffs uh, for several years, and uh, look, John Carlos Stanton and all those other guys never reached the playoffs, and they were paying him a lot of money, Christian Yelich, they tore everything down, and here's the final piece of the Marlins puzzle being torn down. I just saw a tweet about somebody excited about having, like, fifth-row seats for the Marlins uh, this morning, and the Marlins' uh, Twitter account retweeted it. I'm like, you got fifth row? It's like, why do you want fifth row? You could probably sit first row. Nobody else is going to be there. It's, uh, you know, they, they have a combination in their lineup of unknown minor leaguers and retreads like Neil Walker and Curtis Granderson. Uh, you know, some people who cover the team say, you know, they have a real long-term plan here to rebuild. But uh, when you look at the on-field product, they could be losing over 100 games this year, the Marlins. Yeah, they they won 63 last year. I think it's going to be uh, tough for them to even hit that mark again. And uh, it's hard to believe that Marlins have won two World Series in their time, right? I mean, but like yes. you say, they just, <laughs> it's amazing, right? Uh, but they, uh, like you said, they keep on tearing it down and building it up again. Uh, you know, a lot of the teams, uh, you know, look to the way that the uh, the Cubs uh, built themselves up uh, from the bottom up and uh, the Houston Astros as well. Uh, it's going to be a while before the Marlins could uh, you know get themselves uh, turn themselves into a contender in my opinion uh, because even you know the experts uh, aren't real thrilled with the uh, their uh, minor league system uh, as of yet I mean the the big uh, get in this uh, JT Riomuto trade uh, was uh, they held out for Sixto Sanchez uh, who supposedly uh, eventually could turn into a top of the rotation kind of guy but uh, yeah uh, you, you got to really feel for the uh, Marlins uh, fan base. Uh, what fan base? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I lived down there in the nineties when they, when they won their first world series and people really got on board with them. And I remember I was living down there and 
I remember watching it on television, like the Marlins' first opener. And the first few years down there, they had decent fan support. And then they won a World Series. But after they tore the team apart in 97, they, 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 it seems like they, they really lost the face of, of the South Florida baseball fans that were there. And they never came back. Yeah, and uh, they actually, like we talked, that they won a second World Series, too. And I guess, what, the fans didn't trust them anymore, right? <laughs> no, they didn't start coming out till like, late in the playoffs to watch watch the games. And, you know, that's not really a baseball town. Mm-hmm. You know, living down there in South Florida, they don't they don't seem to like hockey much either. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's really football or, or basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, the Heat will draw pretty good when they're winning. But uh, there's nothing to there's nothing to see. It's I was surprised that they they got a new ballpark a few years ago. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of it was it was a lot of it funded by the public, I believe. Yeah, but, a lot uh, of it was. Yeah, funded. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I've never lived in Florida, but I, I you know, I mean, I can't imagine uh, going to uh, see an outdoor state uh, an outdoor game and then the. In, in July and August, it's got to be just... Well, they closed the roof, though. It's air-conditioned. Yeah. They could close the roof. All right. Well, then then that's a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit better. But, yeah. When I was I, living down there, though, they played at Pro Player Stadium, and, you know, that was a, that was an issue. It's mm-hmm. like they, they, they scheduled the home games for, like, 4 p.m. Eastern because it's... Uh, I remember going to games in Florida. Like, I went to a, a spring training game in... Uh, actually a minor league game in Clearwater at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon and nobody was sitting near the front because you died just sitting out there. I, I went to a Miami Dolphins game at like 1 o'clock and I had seats in the 50-yard line like 10 rows away and uh, you, you die there. You absolutely fry. Mm-hmm. You know, in yeah. football, people people like don't talk often enough outside of South Florida. The Dolphins have a real home field advantage down there in Florida. You, you know, opponents can really, really wear down if they're not used to the heat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, happened to be uh, in Florida a few years back uh, in uh, the month of August and went to go watch uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks and their training camp. And I could not fathom being one of those players having to practice in the kind of heat that they were practicing in. So, yeah, uh, I agree with you. You know, the, these Florida teams uh, during the months of September uh, have a big home t- uh, field advantage, uh, you know, when they play uh uh, in Florida. No advantage to playing in Miami if you're a baseball player. JT Real Muto has to be glad that he's going to Philadelphia. His home splits uh, while he was with the Marlins, the uh, the first four, four years of his career, the fifth really doesn't count because it was just five games there, though. Uh, batting average at home of 244, an OBP of 292, slugging percentage of 384, uh, OPS of 676, and an ISO of uh, isolated power of just 139. Those numbers get a significant bump uh, away from Miami. Miami, uh, when you look at look at his stats, 310 on the road, OBP of 358, slugging percentage of 494, OPS of 852, and an isolated power of 183. So big difference. Uh, the isolated power actually on the road uh, the last two years was actually over 200, uh, well over 200 for Real Muto, 220 in 2017 and 236 in 2018. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, uh, you, you look at what he did last year, just overall. 
277, 21 home runs. Uh, the stolen bases have come come down. I mean, he never was a guy that was going to steal 25 bases for you. But uh, as a catcher, he was a guy that gets you, you know, like 8, 10, 12 stolen bases in a season. Uh, look, I mean, uh, Phillies are getting a, a nice uh, product here. Uh, good defense, not a great defensive, but very good defensive uh, uh, catcher. Uh, like all catchers, going to average you probably like 130 games in a season. Uh, you got to love, like you said, those home away splits uh, so that you expect that uh, he's going to put up some good offensive numbers. And uh, look, I th- think it was a, a you know, th- Good trade, uh, I, in a way, for both sides. Because, like, like I said, I, I like uh, the the Marlins. Uh, at least the Marlins held out for they held out for Sixto Sanchez. Uh, but uh, Phillies uh, going to be an interesting team to watch this year. Well, when you look at Real Muto, a lot of the early projections I saw before he would trade it was around two seventy. Uh, you know, maybe fifteen plus homers. And uh, I think that's got a jump going to Philadelphia. You, you talk about a guy uh, that could probably hit 25-plus homers in a better lineup in a better ballpark. Uh, mm-hmm. He hit 18 last year. And uh, I think, you know, you're going to see an increase in the run score because the speed just doesn't translate into stolen bases. That translates into more extra bases hits, more runs scored. It'll depend on where they put him in the lineup, whether mm-hmm. it be second or fifth or whatever. Uh, but that's going to translate into steals. But right now, he's got an NFBC ADP of 54. I could see that jump in 10 to 15 spots moving to Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, according to what I'm looking at on uh, NFBC, he's uh, the number one quarter, uh, not quarterback, number one catcher being taken. Uh, Sanchez is right behind him, and uh, Salvador Perez. Uh, I think this could, uh, you know, move him. Uh, that really separates up. him even more from the rest of the pack. Yeah, yeah. I I think that uh, the the move is definitely going to you know garner some interest in him uh you know, this season. And you look at the, you talk about his power numbers, you know, past 3 seasons uh, he's had uh 31 uh 31 and 30 doubles. So if uh, he could turn some of those doubles into home runs, playing in a better hitters park in Philadelphia, you know, he could take that like you mentioned uh, a mid 20 home run mark uh, this season's definitely doable. When you look at how thin that position is and you look at the the, the possibilities from a speed perspective and possibly 20-plus home runs and hitting around 275, 280, are you willing to take JT Real Muto in the third round, Joe? In a one-catcher league, I probably would hold out, but in a uh, two-catcher league, uh, third round might still be a little early for me, but... Uh, you know, I, I think I think he's definitely in play in the fourth. Yeah, he could be. Yeah, uh, even in a one catcher league, though, Scott. No, in a two catcher league. I'm two used ca- to playing yes. in two. Yeah. I'm used to playing in two catcher leagues. Okay, yeah, a lot yeah. of people so, don't like that, but right. traditionally, that's what a lot of fantasy baseball leagues have been mm-hmm. attuned to. Yeah, in a two catcher league, then yes, you'd start thinking about him uh, in in the fourth round uh, because you, when you you look at the. Uh, the, the guys, uh, the catcher position, uh, one of the weakest ar- around. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. You look at it at, at number 12, uh, Williams Estudillo uh, from uh, Minnesota. He's got a little pop to him, but, you know, uh, you look at some of these numbers. Uh, Danny Jansen, uh, number nine ADP from uh, Toronto. Buster Posey uh, might not hit double-digit home runs this year. He's number eight. 
uh, for the Giants. So it's a uh, it's the catch position very thin this year, and in a two catcher league, going to be hard to to roster uh, two good catchers. Yeah, it's a real mute though. It's it, depending how much on your your concern with position scarcity. Uh, I could see him going as early as the third round in some drafts. Uh, you look at like number four in ADP right now is Wilson Ramos, and uh, you know now playing for the Mets. But well, I don't remember the last time Wilson Ramos stayed healthy. Yeah, and it's a shame because he. Uh a definite offensive force. Uh, he's uh, 31 years old now, but you're right. I mean, if this guy could have just stayed healthy, you look at uh, you know uh, his uh, 2016 season uh, with the Nationals, uh, 22 home runs and 307 batting average. I think that that was the year, wasn't it? The year that uh, he had that either eye surgery or whatnot that helped him see the yes. ball a little bit better. Right? Yes. So uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what kind of a season he could put together for the Mets if he could just uh, you know catch 120, 100. 30 games. Uh, I'm looking at some of the projections. They're looking at maybe uh, upper teen uh, home run totals and maybe like a 280 batting average. Yeah, look, you know, if he gets in, uh, you know, 500 at bats, you know, put that home run total uh, in the low 20s. Mike Zanino is the 11th catcher off the board of the NFBC, and that's where I'm hearing some Jorge Faro comparisons. Hit over 260 last year, but limited sample size. The guy strikes out a ton with a very low walk rate. Uh, defensively, he's, he's got even a stronger arm uh, than Real Muto, and maybe even a better pitch framer, but we don't worry about that in fantasy. But uh, you talk about comparisons to Zanino, that means uh, very low batting average with some pop there. And then you mentioned that uh, Sixto Sanchez was the prize guy that they wanted to pick up. The Marlins, in a lot of their talks, wanted to pick up a top prospect. Sixto Sanchez is a 5'10 kid who throws 100 miles an hour, but durability is a question. And he hasn't seen a huge strikeout number so far in the minors, but still reports were that this was Philadelphia's best pitching prospects since Cole Hamels and maybe now it's Miami's best pitching prospect since uh, since the late Jose Fernandez was in the minor leagues. Yeah, I uh, got a good fastball, right? They're saying he could uh, hit hit uh, hit a hundred uh, on the uh, radar. Yeah, gun. that's a good fastball. That's pretty good if you hit a hundred. Yeah, I think no, so. Not, not bad, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. no, not not too bad. No, <laughs> everybody could do that, right? These days, right? Everybody. Oh yeah, on MLB the show, I could do that. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, got a good uh, breaking ball. Uh, size has been uh, his his question, and, and and a little bit of a durability, some injuries in, in the past. But, yeah, I mean, look, Marlins uh, got what is looked upon as to have been the Phillies' top uh, pitching prospect. So, uh, you know, based on uh, the Marlins having pretty much given away uh, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, you know, I guess they had to make a better showing. They held out a little bit on this trade. Yeah, but, well, look, they wanted to get a top prospect. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I even saw one of the trades that was floated out there that had a three-team, uh, three-team uh, trade between the Mets, the Yankees, and the Marlins, where the Marlins would get Sanchez and Endahar, the Yankees would get uh, would get Noah Syndergaard, and, and JT Real Muto would go to the Mets. It was floated out there, but it, it, it never got close. Some pretty big names uh, playing around there, right? Uh, what do you think uh, about Sanchez this year? Oh, the batting average was absolutely disgusting last year, but uh, he's got nowhere to go but up. 
But mm. you know, so, so look, somebody's going to take the shot earlier than me. Uh, last year, last year we saw him going so early. You know, the ADP obviously has certainly dropped. He's, uh, you know, he's still the second catcher off the board with uh, an ADP of fifty-eight point thirty-six. But I, I actually might uh, wait a little bit longer when you talk about the ADP of Salvador Perez, one ten point seventy-three, third mm-hmm. catcher off the board. I, I got I got Perez at a discount last year. And I was very very happy with the numbers that he put up. Uh, yeah, he's, no, he's I'd rather solid. I'd rather wait I'd rather wait a little longer for Sanchez. I mean for Perez. Yeah. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm not, and I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm not a big uh, Sanchez guy. Batted uh, 186 last year, and just watching him play every day, just looked awful at the plate. Uh, fooled on a lot, a lot of pitches, uh, and uh, just from a real you know, perspective, uh, a terrible defensive catcher as well. <laughs> you know, so uh, you know when the when the Indians were floating around the idea of uh, you know, trading Kluber, I was like, why don't the Yankees? He's uh, you know, dangle maybe Gary Sanchez, and I know that uh, he's a former Indian, but you know, uh, Frazier, the the, the kid, uh, the the uh, outfielder that we have, you know, maybe you know, try to get a discussion going that way. But uh, you know, tough. Uh, we want to see if he could bounce back, but uh, it's got a long way to go. Sanchez does, and of course, it depends on what scoring format you play it as well as an OBP league. I think it would want uh, Salvador Perez a little bit less. Never in one of his strong suits. We'll talk, start talking fantasy bait football coming up this next hour here on the Roto Experts in the Morning. Lots to cover. Which former Pittsburgh Steeler is going to end up in New York? 